Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 336, and we're talking about how to be a tourist in your own backyard. Yeah, we're talking about it again. <laughs> we first recorded this episode in 2009, which is not exactly yesterday. We also did a follow-up in about 2012. It wasn't exactly the same, but it was a bit a bit different. This time we're going to be revisiting our notes from 2009, talking about the same topics and also adding a few things we've learned in the last eight years. Eight years. Is that enough for you? Hopefully we've learned something new in eight years. I hope so. It is time for a revisit. And in fact, our revisit of uh, Auckland, New Zealand is about to come to an end. And it's been one heck of a time over the last month or so. It sure has. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're doing this episode, because as you know, we travel full time. We like to be away from home, but we also really enjoy coming back to our home city of Auckland. This time it's been very much a family visit. We'd had lots of time with our family. My dad moved down to Gisborne, which involved quite a lot of cleaning and packing and driving on our part. We've just been house-sitting for my mum, so that was also a bit of looking after her house and her cat and a bit of cleaning as well. It was my brother's wedding back in December, so that was a bit long ago. But yeah, and spent heaps of time with Craig's family as well. His sister's still learning to drive, so we've been doing some driving lessons. So yeah, heaps of family time. Absolutely. We've also been on a little bit of a speaking run recently. A few weeks ago, I spoke at the WordPress user group here in Auckland. Then last week, uh, we spoke at Travcom, Travel Communicators Meetup, uh, also in Auckland. Over the weekend at WordCamp, the WordPress conference. And then next week, I'm jumping on a plane and flying up to Israel to speak at TBEX, the travel blog exchange in Jerusalem. Yeah. So it has been uh, really busy on that front as well. Our sponsor for this week is Alliance Global Assistance. And yes, you're quite right. We are talking about how to be a tourist in your backyard. So, you know, when you're staying at home, you don't usually need travel insurance. But that time when you're home is a great time for planning the next trip. And that's a good time to think about travel insurance. Take the time to do your research and purchase your policy when you book your flights. Remember, one of the features of Allianz's insurance is their trip cancellation protection, which does include reimbursement for non-refundable trip payments and deposits. Also, we've recently discovered domestic travel insurance. We don't usually get this because other insurances when we're at home would cover us for that, like for health and for luggage issues. But as I mentioned, we were traveling down to Gisborne with my dad, and that involved hiring a van to take all this stuff down. The problem with hiring the van is that it wasn't, oh, and the price was fine, but the insurance that you could get had a really high excess. It was like $1,500. So if we had an accident, we would have to pay $1,500 out of our own pocket before the insurance kicked in. So um, most domestic plans have a rental vehicle excess cover. So you pay whatever it is for your insurance. And then if you have an accident, you do have to pay the $1,500, which is annoying, but then you get that back off your insurer. So that was, yeah, that's why we got it. It was awesome. Great. Well, let's talk about being a tourist in your own home city. Because sometimes you want to travel, but it's just not possible. Maybe there's work or family commitments. Maybe you're saving up for something else. But it's still important in order for your own sanity and enjoyment of life <laughs> to keep the travel mentality alive by being a tourist in your own backyard. So one of my favorite ways of being a tourist in your own home city is to invite someone to come and stay. Recently, uh, Sherry Ott came to visit us. We went up north, actually. We showed her a little bit around the Bay of Islands. But before we did that, we showed her a tiny bit around our home city when she was here with her niece. And I don't know, it's just really cool having someone from out of town or from a different country come and visit because it gives you a reason to see your city through different eyes. Now, this could be a friend coming from another country. It could be a family member who doesn't live in your city. 
if you don't have any friends or family members who live far away, you could get into couch surfing, invite a, a random stranger to come and stay at your house. Or you could use a service like meetup.com or Hairpin is another one we've recently heard about, which is a great app for your phone, which allows you to meet up with, with people who are either traveling or are locals. Yeah, so people don't need to be staying with you in order to enjoy your company. I think that's a, a truism. But it's something that you often forget when you've got someone coming into the city. So knock off work that hour early. Get out, walk around a bit, uh, go out for dinner. And uh, yeah, just do a few things that are maybe a little bit cliched and you might not do with friends that have been around for a while. But for friends that are just popping into the city, you can indulge yourself in those tourist activities down to the popular spots for a sunset, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah, a friend of a friend of ours recently got in touch with us. Our mutual friend is from Germany, and I think her friend is from Mexico. He's coming to New Zealand soon. He's asked me for a bit of advice. So it was quite cool thinking through, you know, what should he do in New Zealand while he's here? He wanted a bit of an idea of what to do in the North Island, what to do in the South Island, what to do in my city. It looks like we won't be able to meet up for a drink while he's here, but it was still just a nice little exercise of thinking, you know, what would a tourist do here? What could I do if I was a tourist here? The second step is to take a camera, whether you are with a friend uh, or someone visiting or whether you're going alone. I mean, you know, a lot of people always have their phone in their pocket. I'm definitely one of those people. But if you have a fancy camera that you use for special occasions, on a time that you're you're going out, take the nice camera and look for the shot. Look for that new angle, that fresh way of looking at the stuff you might see on your commute every day. Yeah, make an effort to notice things. I find that really interesting when, I, when I'm traveling and I come back to Auckland. I always notice new things, especially in the city. There's some really nice buildings that I didn't appreciate before I started traveling. So try walking into your city as if you were a tourist, looking with those fresh eyes, looking through the lens of a camera to see what you can see. It might help to set a number of shots that you'd like to take or set yourself a list. Okay, I want to get a shot of this and this and this. And I find it really helpful to publish on Instagram. So if you say, right, I'm going to publish one photo every day of my own city, that can be quite a fun way to look at the city through a different eye. Professional photographers do literally make a shot list of venues or locations that they're going to. And yeah, Linda kind of alluded to that can be a really useful tool. And so some of the shots that uh, people might be looking for when they're out and about is famous places and sites around the city, something detailed, a little slice of life, a couple of portraits. So that could be an interesting challenge to get you away from your safety zone in terms of photography. And by trying to look at it through another person's eyes or through a mediated final product, you are forced to look at your city in a different way. Another thing you can do to see your city through different eyes or to enjoy it as, as if you were a tourist is to get a tourist brochure and an events brochure. We were actually talking about this last night. We were at a friend's house and he pulled out one of these events magazines of everything that was happening in Auckland in March. And when we came back to Auckland back in December, I'd found one of these sitting on the dining room table or something. And I flipped through it and it was awesome because there were so many events going on that I might not have known about. So I took out my diary and I wrote down a whole bunch of them. And we did maybe a third of them. We did some things and not everything. So that's one thing to do. If you really want to see your city through different eyes, go to some events that you wouldn't necessarily have gone to. Go to the big festivals, go to the small festivals. But also 
go to the crazy touristy things that Craig mentioned earlier. You know, if you have a tourist brochure and you see the top 10 things to do in your city, go and do those top 10 things. Maybe you've done them all before. Maybe you've never done them before. That seems to be increasingly common, doesn't it? You know, you've never done the top 10 things. That's right. Well, I think there's a bit of a bit of cynicism because you know it so well and you're like, oh, why would I go and do that when, you know, I've seen it from the outside a million times or yeah. someone else went five years ago. And so it's kind of about pushing past that, having your own take and yeah. telling your own stories. Yeah. In Auckland, we have one of those hop-on, hop-off buses and it says, see the big 14 attractions. I'm sure it used to be 18, but I re- recently checked. It was definitely 14. I'm not sure what the 14 are. I know that we went to one of them today. One of them is St. Helier's, and we walked along and had a pie. So I felt good about that. I didn't feel like I was being a tourist, but I did do something touristy today. (laughs) Nice. So the the cliched meal in the cliched place. Yeah. Nice. But I think these hop-on, hop-off bus tours can be quite a fun way to see your city. Remember that time when we were in Scotland? We were in Scotland with Craig's parents, and they are from Scotland, and they hadn't been back for a while. They said, come on, let's do the tourist bus. And it was hilarious because... In addition to all the tourist stories that you get, you know, like on your left, you'll see this building that was built in this year. Craig's day was telling stories about the times that he used to jump off the railway bridges on, onto the back of trains and all of the things he got up to as a kid. And, oh, yeah, around that corner, I used to do this. And it was really awesome. Yeah, it was great fun. It was like a little uh, family history as we rolled through with the aunts and uncles and my parents. Yeah, absolutely hilarious. I mentioned uh, having your own stories of these famous places before, and a way of telling that might be to create a blog. Uh, might be on Facebook, might be an actual blog itself, but make sure to tell your stories, and in that way you're inviting other people into your experience. Now, your story might be, this is an overhyped piece of rubbish. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's true of a certain percentage of tourist attractions all over the world. Yeah. And your story might be about, hey, this is actually fun. This is actually something that's valuable for local people to do. But I certainly feel I process things a lot better if I can yeah, verbalize a story or write a story after I've been somewhere. One little trick I was just thinking of that might be helpful, if you If you're wanting to feel like you're having a holiday, if you're wanting to feel like you're getting away and traveling, but you really have to stay home, you could look into house sitting or couch surfing or staying with a friend in another part of the city. So get away from your house because your house has all of its associations. Or even you you could stay in a hostel or a hotel if you wanted to. But if you're looking for a cheap way to have a holiday in your own city, yeah, look at alternative accommodation options. We recently saw a completely different view of our city because we were house sitting over Christmas and New Year's in, in Mangary Bridge, and we've talked about this in previous episodes. But it was great. You know, we were there for kind of two and a half, three weeks. And every day we went for a walk, sometimes up the mountain, sometimes along the, the side of the water. It was a side of the city that we'd never seen before. So next up is to make use of public transport. If you're like us, and if you're in a city like Auckland, it's very much a driving city. Everywhere is car, 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 car. And so using public transport can be an adventure in itself. But, you know, even if you do catch the train or a bus every day as your commute, you can still make it exciting by taking other routes, or you might flip that in its head, and instead of using public transport, hire a car and go to the places that you'd otherwise be unable to get to. Yeah, one trick for finding a new location is just to get a map of the city, 
close your eyes and point at it. And if it's somewhere you've never been, make that your destination for your day. Yeah, buy a ticket, hop on that bus and wander around, check out the neighborhood. How's it different? How's it the same? You know, just check it out. Yeah. Take photos and yeah, blog about it afterwards. Like Craig was saying, if you even if you just put a post on Facebook or send three tweets, it's just saying something about what you experienced. If you're interested, if you have time, it might be worth doing a bit of research about your destination. Maybe they have a market or some other attraction that's at a certain time or on a certain day. Now, if that doesn't sound overly appealing, just randomly going somewhere to hope that something adventurous happens. And I think those quiet, open, unplanned, unstructured times can be some of the most interesting. But if if that doesn't appeal to you, then choose a theme. Maybe the, the brochures feel a bit stale. Maybe, you know, you just don't know why you'd bother walking out the door. Then dig deeper or skip further over the top by choosing a theme and trying to explore that way. One of the classic ones I think of when I think of this is a tube map pub crawl around <laughs> London. So you choose a train line, it's usually get off the central line. every stop, and go to a pub. Yeah. Have a drink. Get back on the train. That's a really quick way to get drunk. I would highly recommend small drinks, half pints, if you do that. But if you aren't in a city like London, you could choose a topic, I don't know, like visit every park in a certain area, visit every cafe, uh, visit every winery. Now, that's one that I can definitely get on board with. You could visit every children's playground to go down the slide. That could be quite a fun one. You could visit every building that's over 100 years old or that was built in a certain year. That one would require a bit of research, but could be fun. You could visit every beach and have a picnic or fish and chips if you're in New Zealand. Yeah, so there are lots of things you can do around that idea of something that's interesting to you and then kind of checking them off. In a similar way to collecting those experiences, you could collect things. Yeah, collecting something is similar to the theme, but it's a little bit more refined. Instead of choosing things to do, you're choosing things to find. There might be things you can pick up and keep or things you can take a photo of. And once you've chosen your topic, you can head out and start collecting. We were in Vienna, Austria once, and we uh, had a bad experience with a storm slowing down lines, and we missed our flight. First flight we had missed, possibly ever, but certainly one of the ones that sticks out in my mind. It was very depressing and very expensive. So the next day, we couldn't get a flight until the same time the next day, went back into the city, and we really just didn't feel like doing anything. You know, there was there was nothing there that we thought could make us happy. We'd we'd seen all of the top ten things that we wanted about, and we we're feeling a bit bitter about being overspent and underexcited about being in the city. So what we decided to do was head out and begin collecting photos of stencil art. So you know the the street art paintings are spray painted onto walls. There's normally a you know a stencil that's created beforehand, and then it's just a quick spray and and gone. And so that's what we started to do. Yeah, we chose stencil art. I don't know why we chose stencil art instead of just plain street art. But I think it was in vogue at the time. Yeah, it just focused us a little bit. Instead of just looking for any kind of street art, we were just looking for stencils. And yeah, it was awesome. We saw a side of Vienna that we'd never seen before. We'd seen a lot of the stencils before because we had walked down some of the streets, but by no means all of them. And yeah, we chose to go down streets that we wouldn't have normally gone down in search of the elusive spray-painted cat or something. It was awesome. And the best thing about it was that we turned a negative experience into a positive memory. 
You know, we could have just done nothing. We could have just stayed back in our hotel room and moped, but instead we chose to go and collect something. And yeah, it's one of my favorite memories of Vienna now. Yeah, it's old school Pokemon, eh? <laughs> old school. So what's something that your town might have that you've not thought about looking for? Uh, you could collect photos of posters, street signs, signs of uh, stick figures in peril. That's a, a good phase as well. Yeah, you know that, I don't know if that ever made it onto Instagram. It was a blog and you could submit photos of stick figures that were in danger and then you provided it with a caption. And some of them were absolutely hilarious and I think it would make a really, really great Instagram account, but I haven't seen it. Huh. I'll have to look it up. Maybe we should start it. Yeah. Or you could collect physical items, leaves, steel sugar sachets from different cafes, postcards from around the place, whatever you'd like. Linda, you've got a list here of ideas of things to collect. You want to roll that? So some of my ideas were street art, road signs, interesting letterboxes or fences or front doors or windows, flowers, photos of trees. We have some really awesome trees here in, in Auckland. Collection ideas, you could have sugar sachets, beer mats, admission tickets for all the amazing events you go to. Yeah, heaps of things you can do. And if you want to get a little bit more organized than that yet again, and a little bit more technical, there's geocaching. And geocaching is pretty fun, especially on a day that you are, you know, wanting to see something different in the city and you just don't know where to go to get that. Then geocaching is super powerful. So why don't you explain a little bit about what geocaching is and how it works? So geocaching is a worldwide hide-and-seek game. So the easiest way to play is to download the app for your phone. It's pretty low cost, I think about five or ten bucks, to get the geocaching app and you create an account. And all around you will be hidden boxes that people have stored around the place, maybe buried somewhere, maybe in behind a, a blank space on a wall, all sorts of places that these things are put. And so you can find these caches on your map and then you follow the GPS to get to that physical location. Yeah, and pull out this container. It could be anything as small as a matchbox. like an old well, a matchbox. Yeah, I was going to say an old roll of uh, film canister. Oh, yeah. Or it could be something like a lunchbox in size. And so in there, there'll be a little logbook so you can, you know, note that you went there. And sometimes there's toys and things like that. And you can you can take something and leave something and keep that going. Yeah, we're really big fans of geocaching. We haven't done it a lot recently. We haven't actually done it in Auckland recently. But before we started traveling, so 12, 13, 14 years ago, we used to do it using a GPS device. It was before smartphones. And uh, it's so much easier using a smartphone. My goodness. But please remember to take a pen. We went geocaching with some couchsurfing friends of ours in, in Dusseldorf a few years ago, and it was one of these complicated caches where instead of just following the the arrow to a certain point, you had to solve a whole bunch of clues in, in order to get the final coordinates. We got to the final coordinates. Turns out they were wrong, so we had to look up on the app to find out what they actually were, and then got there, found the cache, didn't have a pen to record the fact that we'd made it. And went between the four of us, none of us had a pen, none of us had an eyeliner, none of us had anything we could use as a pen. So, yeah. yeah we had to make our mark in blood. <laughs> I don't think that actually happened. But yeah, you could even try doing Pokemon Go. Have you done Pokemon Go, Greg? No, you know, when Pokemon Go came out and was all the rage, we were in Panama and we were in the wilds of Panama up in the kind of farming and coffee plantation area 
where they had remarkably good 3G internet connection, occasionally slipping into 4G every now and again. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was certainly no Pokemon mm. near us for hours and hours of driving. Yeah, so I can't say we've tried it, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's quite a good way to get around, although you do tend to be looking at your phone rather than your surroundings. And some friends of ours did something really fun, which was a zombie run, where they were also using their phones and running through the streets of, of our city. And uh, on their phone, they could see if a zombie would appear around the next corner. And it was, it sounds really fun. Yeah. Different cool, way to eh? see things. Really yeah. early augmented reality games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Outrun the zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So there's a lot of different angles that you can find around your city and in the same places that you are day to day. But in fact, one of my favorite ways to explore our own city is to do a day trip that goes a little bit out or to do an overnight trip somewhere. So the long weekend that's just a little bit away from exactly where you are, but still in your own backyard. Yeah, so some of our favorite ones are visiting one of the islands. We're lucky enough to live in a city that has lots of islands, Rangitoto Island, Waiheke Island. There are a whole bunch of them we can go go to either by ferry or by boat. And yeah, just either camp overnight or do a, do a hike, something like that. We also have four winery regions within reach of our city. So we can go north to Matakana, that's about an hour and a half. We can go down to Kumu, we can go south to Cleveland, and we can go across to Waiheke Island, which I mentioned earlier, which is a really fun day out and a good way to see a different side of the city. And because wineries are often out in a semi-rural area, there's often farmers markets associated with that, and so combining uh, real farmers markets with winery visits is really fun. You can also have a look around for any small towns that are near you, and go and visit one that you've never seen before. Even if you just go to a cafe and see what there is to do there. Yeah, and I think the the thing about that for me is it doesn't need to be super exciting. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be different. Different, yeah. yeah. It just needs to be. Something that's out of the ordinary, something that, yeah, allows that fresh perspective and out of the same old, same old of get up, go to work, maybe spend some time with friends or family, go to sleep. It's about breaking that rhythm and doing something in such a way that, you know, you come back and and perceive the city differently because a lot of travel is about the cool things you see, but it's also about how those experiences change you. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah, so we've been lucky enough to do quite a few weekend trips recently. We've been up north to Russell and Kerikeri. We've been down south to Gisborne, also to Napier, also to uh, Tauranga, well, Papamoa. And we've done quite a lot of these trips and we've visited people. And if you're doing those sort of things quite often, one thing to do would be to visit the top tourist attraction. So when we were in Gisborne, we went and saw the, the clock tower that was really famous. When we were in Papamoa, we drove along to Mount Monganui and went for a walk up the mount. And yeah, it, it just adds a different element to these trips. Instead of just going somewhere to visit someone, go and do the top tourist attraction or do the thing that all the tourists do. Take a photo, Instagram it, blog about it. And yeah, you experience it something slightly different. Cool. That's been some ways to explore your own city or your own backyard like a tourist to help you keep that travel mindset alive while you're uh, not immediately planning the next trip. So go out, do it. Let us know how you go. Choose a technique. 
choose something completely different and let us know what you have done by email info at indietravelpodcast.com or on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Indie Travel. Also, you can visit indietravelpodcast.com and leave a note at the show notes. We'd like to say thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Alliance Global Assistance. As you know, we think that New Zealand is a wonderful country and we think you should visit. In fact, we know you should visit. And when you do visit, we highly recommend that you get travel insurance. Yeah, you just never know what's going to happen. In Auckland over the last five days, we've had crazy amounts of rain. We've had over a month's worth of rain within a 10-hour period, and then it just kept on coming. And so areas that are normally completely safe got flooded, people lost things, and if you were out in that area, you could have lost days off your trip or lost your luggage. And there's just, no matter how careful you are, there's nothing you can do about stuff like that. Yeah. So having the fallback of travel insurance is absolutely essential. Yeah, being prepared is a great start, but definitely travel insurance for the win. If you're in the States, check out Alliance's website, alliancetravelinsurance.com, or just do a search for Alliance Global Assistance and your country name to find your local site. So next up for us, at the end of this week, we're going to a friend's wedding, and then I jump on a plane and head out to Jerusalem. I'm going to be there for TBEX. I'll be uh, speaking at that conference. And then uh, coming back down for a, a last few frantic days in Auckland before we go to the South Island. Yeah, we're going to be spending some time in Christchurch for a family visit. Then we're going to do the Milford Trek, which we are ridiculously excited about. I'm t- I just really hope that this rain, this weather we've been having, doesn't cause problems for the track because it's notoriously wet. And yeah, we don't want it to be rained out. So Definitely not. Definitely not. And then, yeah, after that, it's upwards to Europe for the summer. So we'll have more details about that as things firm up. But yeah, we'll jump through Aussie and through Asia and back up to Europe. So Europe, please plan on an early summer. That'd be great (laughs) because we've had a bit too much rain in the Southern Hemisphere summer. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.